Hello and welcome back to the Professional Jeweler Podcast. We took a bit of a break towards the end of last year to focus on the PJ Awards, but now we're back with another episode. Today I'll be speaking to Rasmus Bricks, who last August took over as Managing Director for Pandora UK and Ireland. Just a quick housekeeping note before we kick off. Anyone who would like to feature on the podcast or who is interested in advertising opportunities should email me at sam.lewis at itpromedia.com. Now that's out of the way. Without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Rasmus Brett. Welcome to the PJ Podcast, Rasmus. Um, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, really, really good. And um, so just to get right into it, um, you started at Pandora um, uh, several months ago. Um, was it around the middle of last year? Yeah, so I, I formally oh. took, took over in, in, I guess, the middle of August of, of 2021 yeah. in, in, in the UK and Ireland business. Yeah. And... Uh, have you so yeah you're um managing director for the uk and ireland yeah and yeah. so have you had to move to the uk for that role uh yes i have i yeah. have so i uh, i um i have the sort of the family situation i have two kids uh, in uh, in copenhagen so i spend uh, also a fair bit of time in copenhagen but um the majority of my time and residency is in uh, is in london so i've had to, to relocate i had to spend the first I don't know, three, four months or so of my time in, in London, trying out Airbnb in different parts of the city to figure out what I, what I enjoyed the most. So uh, I've now found, found, a, found a spot to, uh, to be in. Yeah, where, uh, where did you like, where did you decide on? So I actually ended up uh, deciding on Islington. Oh, brilliant. That, yeah, very, very nice, vibrant, cool area, you know, decent commute to the office and everything. So I, uh, I found that quite, uh, quite nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like Islington. Good choice. And um, yeah, how, just how's your time here? How's, how's it been generally so far? Ah, it's been amazing, I have to say. I I really enjoy I really enjoy London as a city. I like, enjoy UK and Ireland as as, as a uh, as a country, and and I absolutely love the team uh, I'm working with. It's it's a great bunch of people. Um, so uh, so the headline for me so far is that it's 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 been amazing. It's uh, I guess it's now five five months, and in in a, in a way it feels like two years, and in a way it feels like two months. So it's um, it uh, it uh, you know I feel like I haven't done anything else for a couple of years, but it's it's also been uh, you know time has flown by so fast, and and uh, you know so it's uh, it's been very very good, and uh, it was a good time to have a little bit of time over Christmas to to uh, to reflect and and think a little bit back and and also think forward. Yeah, and. Um... Yeah, I was just in a similar vein. I was wondering if you could go into more specifics about the job as well and uh, how that's going. Coming in? The, uh, just how the first few months in the job have been and uh, how you've sort of adapted to yeah, like working, uh, working with the UK team and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the, the thing is, so I've, I've had the pleasure of being with Pandora for five years. Yeah. Um, so, and in the last, say, 15, 18 months before I, I joined the UK and Ireland business, I had a similar role in Northern Europe, uh, working out of uh, Germany, Hamburg, Germany. 
looking after, of course, Germany, but also uh, quite a few other markets in the northern northern Europe hemisphere. And uh, so you can say both the company and the brand and the, the role itself uh, is is not new to me. Uh, but of course, the team and the UK customer, the UK culture, and everything is is is, is new to me. So I, I probably spend the majority of my time getting under the cover, under the hood of and understanding both the team and the business and the consumer, so to speak, um, which despite, you know, Pandora being a global business and a quite sort of, you know, we run similar brand and a similar um, uh, product assortment globally, then the customer is actually very different and the, the sort of the, the profile of the brand is also has some variation across the different markets. So I think that's, that's where I spend the majority of my time uh, figuring out uh, what, what what that is, and then obviously the, you know, each and every market is different from a sort of channel and distribution mechanic point of view. Um, you know, UK is, a, is probably the, the most advanced market, at least in Europe, when it comes to to online and e-commerce sales. Um, has a legacy and history for department stores that that is you know um, that's also quite quite um, prominent. Um, and then a say distribution channel in the sort of multi-brand, sort of independent multi-brand world, which is less than that at least what, what what I've seen in some of the other European markets. So while the job is the same, the company is the same, the product is the same. Actually, quite a lot of things are different. Mm. Um, so so I've, I've spent quite a bit of time trying to really make sure I understand that before I, I make sort of radical changes to the business because it's it's obviously a very successful and, and, and well-performing business. So yeah. So the, the respect of that, I've, I've spent the majority of the time understanding that. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned then some sort of differences in the consumer themselves um, in the UK market. And obviously you've only had sort of several months to, to get a picture of that and what that is. But um, yeah, I was wondering if you could elaborate more on what you think that is yeah absolutely i mean i think first of all the starting point of the difference is probably uh, has a lot to do with the starting point and the strength of the brand um, the, the pandora brand in the uk and ireland are probably if not the place in the world then among the places in the world where the brand is the strongest um so to kind of put, put things into context, um, I think we have a, an unaided awareness, as it's called, so an awareness level of 93%. So if you walk down the street and ask 100, 100 you know, randomly chosen women between 80 and 60 years old, 18 and 60 years old, then, then 93 of them will say they know Pandora, which is an unheard of number and, and bigger than, you know, bigger brands like Starbucks and uh, McDonald's and what have you not. So... And that's not the case in all markets in um, in that I used to be in. So so that from that standpoint, the, actually the starting point is quite a bit bit different, um, because so many people know me and also own my brand. Um, then from a customer point of view, the product preferences, although if you take as an, an example like like Germany, although it's a what ninety minute flight from London to to you know most parts of Germany, then um, their preferences are quite different. And, and some of the products we sell have a tendency to over or under index quite a bit. A few of the examples I'll, I'll, I'll give there is that whenever we do something in the UK related to um, sort of commemorating or establishing sort of some, some, some awareness around pets, dogs, cats, and stuff like this, 
UK consumers go crazy, less so in 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 the uh, in, in in Germany. Uh, the German customers like rose gold to a bigger extent than they, we do in um, in uh, in um, in the UK. So about things on on average, every time I sell one unit in of, of rose gold in in UK, then we sell two in um, in Germany. Sort of relative, so so a bigger bigger preference there. Um, and I think you know then I could probably make a list of fifteen other examples of that. But 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 sort of from a preference point of view, then. Then they they actually tend to shop shop different products, um, um, even though even though it's a broadly similar customer. I think it, an interesting stat is that if you take the 100, 100 best selling products in um, in UK, um, only fifty of them are also top one hundred in Germany. So there are quite some similarities, but also actually quite a lot of them that are that are uh, dissimilar. Um, so these 50 that are not in the top 100, they might be in top 200 or 300, but but they're not they're not all alike. So um, mm -hmm. so those are some of the differences. And then of course, as I mentioned before, the um, the UK customer is very advanced from an online um, uh, online point of view. Online penetration is 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 very high, um, and sort of receptiveness of, of buying online is, is is very very high in the UK. Mm. And have you got any plans for how you're going to sort of harness that? Um the you, you know you're saying that uh, the uk customer is very in tune with sort of online shopping and that sort of thing is there any way that you're planning on um sort of taking advantage of that over the next year or two yeah i mean you could say first of all i think we've already taken quite a, quite quite well advantage of that um our the online business in the uk is phenomenal and actually the biggest in the world when as a share of the of, of total business in within pandora so it's, it's, it's the part of the world where we sell the highest share of, of, of our uh, jewelry online. Um, and I think there's much more to be done in this space. We, we have some opportunities still in how to improve the, the sort of experience on, uh, on site. Um, one of the big agendas for us in the next, say, two to three years is definitely going to be personalization. Um, we, have an, we have a product concept and an assortment which is it screams to be personalized because the concept in itself is personalizing your your look um, and, and your bracelet. And, and we're still, I say, fairly basic when it comes to serving the customers personalized uh, product recommendations, personalized content, um, utilizing, utilizing that sort of information about the customer to serve them exactly what they want is, is, uh, is not something we do today. Similar, you know, if I have a customer who's been looking a lot on on you know rose gold items on my site, there's no reason to show them a lot of silver items next time they, they join, they come into my site. And there we've taken some small basic steps, but but there's a lot more work to be done in that space uh, over the next couple of years for sure. Uh, interesting. And uh, you sort of referred to the UK being a, a very, very important um, and successful market for Pandora. Um, and from, from what I read, I, I think it's the second most successful market for Pandora. Um, do you have any theories as to why that is? Yeah, it's true. It's it's the uh, you know from a revenue standpoint, it's the it's the second biggest market compared to uh, to uh, yeah, in in the group. Uh, US is the biggest, um, and actually, obviously, US is much much bigger market uh, sort of total population wise. So the the market share in the 
in the in the UK is is uh, if not the biggest, then among the very biggest in the world. Markets like Australia and Italy also have a very high market share for us. But UK in terms of volume is is, is number two in the world. Um, and I think it, it's very much down to a couple of different factors. First and foremost, uh, the people who build the business in in the, in the UK they have a very good job in establishing the Pandora brand as a you know both a um, sort of call it mainstream mass market proposition. It's basically jewelry for everyone. Everyone can join sort of join the club. It's not exclusive in any way, and still it's unique, and it builds upon a what I think is an eternal need for expressing who you are, commemorating memories, uh, dreams, hopes about yourself and expressing that via jewelry. And, and that proposition has been accepted, but also landed very, very well in the UK business. And I think, you know, if I was to boil it down only to one thing, that's it. Then a lot of other great things have happened in the, in the, in the business and good decisions have been made around rolling out concept stores and, you know, launching online platforms, great, great teams in the stores. I think I want to highlight also that one of the sources of our success, I, I believe, is that the people we have working in our stores genuinely love the product. So, so actually, most of the people that work in our stores, they used to be consumers and fans of the of the brand themselves. Um, and and it, it just creates a magical connection when you have a person who really loves the product and actually used to buy it before he or she you. She started working for us, selling to, to customers that, that creates something magical. So a lot of different reasons why, but if I also highlight one, then the power of the brand is, is and how that was launched is definitely one. And um, I was reading recently um, about Pandora, believing it's very important to do a lot of work in sort of uh, attracting a younger audience. Um, you know, it makes a lot of sense for the future. Um and I think that one of the ways that you do that really successfully, and I think one of the keys to your success is the collaborations with sort of um, uh, sort of uh, product licenses, um, uh, th you know, things like uh, Disney and stuff like that. You've obviously got um, products to do with Star Wars. You've got products to do with Harry Potter, stuff like that. I think that's one of like the key ways that you get in those younger customers. Are there any other um, ways that you you maybe Pandora already does uh, attract younger customers or maybe ideas that you've got for the future? Yeah, I think it's true. We, we are, we're actually quite successful in, in, in attracting a younger customer today. One of the things I find intriguing about Pandora is that when we look at the at, at sort of who's buying and, and wearing Pandora, it is actually a very broad audience. So so it is the sort of the 15-year-old the teenager. It's the, you know, 35-year-old newly established mom, it's the, you know, 50, 60-year-old. I mean, it, it is basically across generations. So, so I think we're quite successful already. One of the initiatives that we've launched uh, in, in, in the sort of, in the recent, um, recent past is uh, Pandora Me, which specifically and explicitly goes after a, a customer that um, uh, might be younger, but also I believe actually in this day and age, you know, age, of course, is a, a factor, but, but, you know, how, you know, I think, I think there's so many more things to, that, that defines who you are and how you feel than just your age and your, I mean, your social security number and all that, 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 that's, that is, um, so, so we have, we have people in, 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 in the mid forties that act, act and behave 
like you know some people that are 20 and and that that uh, and and the other way around for that matter so I, I believe that you know the way the way we go to market today and should be going to market and innovating tomorrow is should be much more around needs and, and different ways of expressing yourself and um, pandemi is a way of expressing yourself which has a completely different um, execution than our moments platform our classical chant and bracelet platform it's built much more around making a what i call sort of an outward statement so so when you look at the moments platform as, as, as an example it tells very much around um who you are uh talks a little bit also to yourself you know you kind of use it to commemorate things that have happened for you in the past maybe you want to celebrate a milestone in your life or you know the birth of your daughter or some like some of these things Whereas Pandora Me is much more around, you know, outward self-expression, you know, my view on the world, uh, some of the sort of some of those agendas that that, that tend to happen um, in in the world today for people of any age. So so that that's what we're trying to do with that that collection. Um, and in the year to come, uh, there's also quite a lot of new and exciting stuff to come. Actually, um, I think actually when when this uh, podcast uh, is going to launch, just around that time, there will be a new and very exciting, uh, very exciting thing and collaboration coming up that uh, that our customers can be looking forward to as well. And uh, lab-grown diamond jewelry was a big thing for Pandora last year. Um, I was wondering if you've got any more news on that, and if you know if you will be releasing more in the future, and also if it would, like the first collection did, if it would launch uh, in the UK first. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, that was a big bet for us last year, and a big thing that we 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 brought into the market. Um, obviously, lead-grown diamonds, as such, uh, is not something we invented, but it's a it is a um, it was a first for Pandora. Um, we went into this because we believed it it has essentially two different components that that link very strongly to our brand. First and foremost, it's it gives an opportunity to create. Um, a diamond proposition in a sustainable way. And then secondly of all, it has a price advantage because it, it, it is a similar proposition from a kind of the functional aesthetics of a, um, a, of a diamond at a lower price. And Pandora is all about creating sort of high quality but affordable, affordable jewelry so we can kind of, as we call it, democratize uh, different parts of the assortment. When, when Pandora went into the market, call it 15, 20 years ago, Buying uh, silver, genuine, precious, high-quality rings and so forth for the price we introduced it with was was unique. Um, people have followed us since, but we believe this can be one for the future where we can actually make um, diamonds something that's more accessible to people um, uh, across multiple different income and, and wealth levels. So that's why we launched it, um, and and we launched it in the UK uh, first because we wanted to test out how this worked. This is very new for us, so. So, so we wanted to see how the reception was, um, and and so far it's been good, and it's confirmed actually that we can sell uh, diamonds at the price point we're required to, to to charge because it is an expensive it's an expensive stone, um, and and I can say there will be more newness coming on that platform uh, in this year um, and in the years to come. We believe it's a it's a concept for the future, um, and um, whether it'll be exclusively in the UK or not, I think you know we. Definitely, it'll be in the UK. Um, we are likely going to roll, roll it out into other countries as well in, in in this year and the years to come, years to come. So so um, and and then we'll most likely see it being uh, sort of rolled out simultaneously in the 
different parts of the world, but it'll it'll come to UK. Uh, I can I think I can say there will be new new lab-grown diamonds products in in this year in the UK. Oh, great. And um, on a similar sort of topic, um, Pandora committed to net zero carbon emissions by twenty forty uh, last year, I believe. Um, how just how's progress going on that generally? Yeah, it's true. Actually, we did we did uh, we we kind of announced two different targets. Um, one is that we committed to be um, net carbon neutral um, within our own operations by 2025. So you can say our own value chain, everything that goes on from we receive raw material to the customer walking out the door with a piece of product and, and sort of everything that goes on in that in that operations, we committed to be net carbon neutral by 2025. Okay. Um, and things are progressing very well there. Uh, a lot of work goes on in that space, uh, obviously within um, it's a couple of different strands. Uh, one is, is, is obviously in our manufacturing, which is a, which is a very, very big and important uh, piece, both our um, production, but also the entire supply chain of bringing the product to life. Um, secondly, uh, we obviously re we use quite a lot of energy in our kind of um, in, in our production and supply chain and, and, and making that renewable uh, board energy is, is a big, big pillar as well. Um, so there's a lot of work going on in that, in that space and we're on track to, to kind of um, to, to become carbon neutral within our own sort of own part of the value chain by 25. And then it's true we also committed to being a kind of full end-to-end -end value chain uh, carbon neutral by, by 2040. And, and this is something where we then take a bigger kind of um, responsibility because then we go all the way back to our suppliers and how they are working and how they, you know, work with their, you know, shipments and production of their materials all the way to also what happens after sort of consumers consume the product and, and all of that. So it's a much, much bigger task and something that's, a, you know, it takes, takes more time and it's, it's, it's a, an initiative which is called a science-based initiative where we actually externally um, we we have it. There's an external third party that sets targets on our behalf, so we make sure that we live up to our part of the Paris Agreement to to kind of um, to to make sure that we're not increasing the um, um, the, the global temperature. Um, so so we kind of take a total societal you know end to end responsibility in that space, and and that is a much much bigger task and something that we're working strongly against and. Uh, I believe the first yardstick in that space is 2030, where we were sort of targeting roughly 50% reduction, and then all the way uh, to the market in 2040. So it's it's a big um, it's a big commitment, but uh, you know something that you know as a business of our size is is not only needed, but it's just it's just something that's the responsibly right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, you talked a, a bit about the importance of uh, of e-commerce. You mentioned that it's a particular particularly sort of uh, good side of the business, uh, strong side of the business in the UK. Um, and uh, I just wanted to sort of get your opinion on uh, the, like how the pandemic has sort of changed retail and whether you think it's sort of irrevocably changed um, in the favour of e-commerce e or whether you think, you know, in, in your opinion, we should be getting back to sort of business as usual, bricks and mortar as soon as possible. Um, I think I think there's a part of, of what happened the last almost two years that is here to stay. So customers that 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 uh, sort of shopping missions and consumption that used to take place offline that now 
takes place online and will do so forever after. I think it's something that would have happened anyway. Um, it, it would most likely have happened. Um, it maybe would have taken five or six years instead of two years. So I think it's just an acceleration of a trend that, that would have happened in, in either case. Um, I am a firm, firm believer that uh, physical, you know, physical retail is uh, is not only here to stay. I think it plays an extremely important role in at least our category, but I also think in many, many other categories. Um, and we can see that that despite the fact that we have call it a third or a bit more of our sales coming from from online um, in the UK, then it's um, it is a it's it's you know the, the number of customers who never visit a shop is they're they're close to none. So it might be that we have a lot of our sort of actual transactions and fulfillment taking place out of the um, out of the uh, our, out of our stores. Uh, oh, sorry, out of our e-com um, uh, business. But but a lot of these customers they actually end up in our stores, looking at the product, trying it on, you know, exploring it. Maybe they make a gift transaction online, but then they end up in the store, you know, two months later, um, browsing for a new piece. So I, I strongly believe that the. the you know the sales might change, but the role of both channels is, is they're here to stay. So I'm 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 not you know running a network of a couple of hundred stores in the UK and Ireland. I'm 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 in no way uh, sort of thinking of that as as a as a dying channel. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the only other one from me is just if uh, if there's any plans that you've got for Pandora in the UK and Ireland, uh, you know, over the next couple of years that you've not uh, you've not mentioned so far, and you can talk about. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, I plan to grow the business. I guess that whether that's a plan is more of an intention than an ambition. I believe the, the business in the UK and Ireland is, is so strong and such a strong starting point that, that we definitely can grow. Um, I would say on, on the majority of the areas, I, I explicitly have taken the time to, and, and the things I'm going to do and change is going to be very much built based on, you know, adjusting, tweaking and changing what we do today because clearly it works. There are things within the brand and the proposition and positioning of the brand, I think, needs to be changed. Um, but it's more to make it you know, relevant, contemporary for the next three years, rather than it is something that where we completely need to make a 180 on, on, on the way we talk to the customers. Mm. Similarly, on the way we execute like media and marketing, buying and advertising, we are going to make some changes in the mix and how we execute um, across the, the year, um, I'm a firm believer in, in, in TV advertising works in, in, in for some things, um, and, and I also believe that there's a role to play for for, for sort of mass reach, broader reach, uh, social media and, and influencer campaigns. So I think quite a lot of things, but none of it is is to an extent where I'll say you know we we started from scratch because it's a very well functioning and well run business that that have some opportunities to uh, to execute even stronger if we make some some some, some changes and some tweaks um but um we i think we sell i don't know 450 million pounds worth of jewelry every year so uh, so it, something something in the current model is definitely right <laughs> yeah i would agree with that uh right thanks very much for your time rasmus that was a really good chat and uh hopefully uh, we get to do it in person next time yeah absolutely we'll look forward to If you've managed to make it this far, thank you so much for listening and thank you to Rasmus for the interview. Look out for the next episode, hopefully coming next month. That will be March. This has been the PJ Podcast. See you next time.